We live inside a dream. Step inside, let's play the game. Hello, welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. What up? Oh, oh, oh. Oh, 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 oh. What up, kid? (laughs) This is the only Twin Peaks podcast that's just exclusively barking right yeah we we are both we you know we're the perfect venn diagram of like a nerd culture television podcast and just toxic masculine energy (laughs) just uh a real bar fight energy that we bring yeah uh have you ever been in a have you ever been in a fight jeremy like a physical fight let me put it this way i've had my ass kicked (laughs) a few times (laughs) What about you? Yeah, I, I've i never been in an actual fight. I saw a fight. I saw like a big, like a, like a bunch of guys get out of a SUV and like pile on some other dude. It was really crazy. This was at a gas Whoa. station. My buddy worked, uh, worked nights at a gas station. And uh, we were just sitting there shooting the shit. And uh, there was this like... I think it was, he said it was gang related or something, but that was crazy. But no, I did my first day of high school. Um, someone who was older than me, who knew what I, who knew who I was and like picked on me a lot, mm-hmm. uh, grabbed me by the shirt collar, like in a cartoon and shoved me up against a locker. Jeez. <laughs> but like sort of as a, as a joke, but, uh, he actually did it. So it just, it, the joke, I guess, it, it still kind of like belittled me on my first day of high school. Eric, uh, right that after is first period. fucking hilarious. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm kidding. That's a good that's, joke, that's right? Tra- <laughs> it's traumatic. That's awful. <laughs> what a, oh, what a, uh, I, and, and then wh- who did he grow up to be? Um, You know, I haven't checked in. Mm-hmm. I have not checked in on Tom. Um, well, you know, you know Tom, if you're listening... Go to hell. Go to hell, buddy. <laughs> Go to hell, you jerk. Uh, I think that's that is like uh, comically, like you said, cartoon bullying. It's like not not great, not a great look. I yeah. wonder what I wonder what yeah. high school is. I mean, high school today is like in your house on your computer. But I mean, a year ago, what was high school like? You know, like has it gotten less? I physically violent. You think? As far as the bullying, I gotta imagine there there's a lot a lot less knuckle sandwiches mm-hmm. and a lot more hacking. I uh, gotta I gotta imagine they're hacking and uh, mm-hmm. shit posting. Yeah, shit. Yeah, things like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, some, Jeremy, yeah. this is a twin. This is uh, uh, what what do we even do anymore? <laughs> this is uh, it was a Stanley Kubrick and David Lynch podcast, right? Uh, we're soon. We're going to be covering uh, some directors with the last name Anderson. Right. But right now, we're finishing up Twin Peaks: The Return, 
And uh, we got a couple couple episodes to go, Jeremy. We're getting in the home stretch here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how you feeling? Great. Uh, love these two episodes. Love every time I get to do this show. I'm going to miss this series when it's over. To the point where I might just go back through and rewatch it. I mean, it's such a good time. and, and Love it. I feel like I've kind of been not going at the pace that I would naturally go because I'm trying to not get too far ahead. So yeah. I'm trying to stay current, you know, like uh, watch the episodes kind of close to when we do the show. So it's fresh on my mind, but I'd like to, I think I'd like to go faster next time. I know. I, I've been thinking about that too. Cause this is, um, you know, Lynch has described it as an 18 hour movie. Uh, as much as I love the return, I, d- I don't think I could sit still and watch anything for 18 hours straight. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, one of these days, I could break it up into a weekend. Oh, yeah. Do, you know, nine hours one day, nine hours the next. Or six hours over three days. It could do that, too. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, no, but I, 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 have already been thinking about, uh, just going back and rewatching all of Twin Peaks, uh, again, once we're done mm-hmm. and doing exactly what you're saying where we're not, you know, doing two or three episodes a week, but I just get to like rip through it all. It's really good. I mean, it's really good. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. So that's good, uh, that you're, that you're still, uh, that you're getting into it. Uh, part 14 is pretty crazy. We'll talk about it. I also like part 13 a lot. Um, but yeah, before we get into that, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. We're doing weekly bonus episodes over there. Jeremy, tell the people what we do over there. What are what do we got oh going on? Oh my God. The Patreon is lit AF. It's got so much content. You'll be creaming in your shorts uh, nonstop 24-7. Just a cream, cream after cream, shorts after shorts ruined, <laughs> throw them away, more cream coming out because there's just so much co- good content. And I'm talking, speaking about crypt keeping, I'm talking our Tales from the Crypt coverage where we are finishing up a season two recap of the show next week. Uh, and then we're going to be on to something else. We got things like Lie Lie Land, our conspiratorial LA Hollywood conspiracy theories episodes we got stuff over there like uh who's our favorite snl cast members <laughs> top 10 we got things over there like covering oh, yeah. movies we, we, you... we went through a horrible list mm-hmm. of 90s comedy film the top 190s comedy films not a good list disagreed with pretty much entirely <laughs> yes exactly we ripped that list apart as we went through it painstakingly i will also say that we've got a lot of exciting stuff on the horizon more crypt coming up more films that the our patreon uh subscribers want us to be covering that is some of the that is some of the uh the that is one of the greatest joys about being on the patreon is that you can say hey cover this please and we'll go do it because we're uh, shameless you know yeah we can we have we have a price and it's Mm -hmm. twenty dollars yeah exactly so patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. I mean, really, it is a good time over there. It is we let our hair down. Uh, we get da- we get dirty on that show. Uh, you know, this show is for is for the moms and that, you know, and the Patreon over there is for the the sons. 
I don't know. Actually, I don't. Yeah. Wait, wait. No, 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 no. <laughs> I need to read you on that. Uh, the Patreon is for is for the. Uh, okay, let's say let's say the the main show is for the moms going to church, and then the Patreons is for the moms uh, on Saturday night. That uh, wh- love it. That, okay, good. Yeah, love yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that's better. That's better. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you ever dream about like famous people? Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. I, so this weird, I have this weird thing where with the exception of these recurring George Harrison dreams I had when I was a kid, (laughs) I, (laughs) I only dream about people that I've met before. Oh, uh, but Tuesday night, my dude, Mm -hmm. I'm sitting around, I'm watching, uh, I watched a good, like, hour and a half of behind the scenes footage from the return. Mm-hmm. So I'm just sitting there watching David Lynch, uh, direct various scenes and I fall asleep <laughs> and I'd had a couple glasses of wine Gotcha. and, uh, I'm having this dream and I'm in, I'm on the set of a David Lynch project. <laughs> uh, and we're in this like big main room of a house that's like a log cabin and it's all dark and musty and there's a bar in one corner and then in the other corner they're like filming something and I'm just sitting at this bar while everyone's like working and like fi- like setting up for like film this film shoot and uh, David Lynch I like tr- I tried talking to him but he was too busy and uh, he got mad at me and I felt really bad. So I'm like wallowing in sadness at this bar, just sitting there, and Martin Scorsese walks in. <laughs> <laughs> and Martin Scorsese comes in, and uh, I'm telling him about how I feel bad about uh, my interaction with David Lynch. Right. And he's like, oh, don't beat yourself up about it. And then we started like riffing, like he started like ribbing me, and we were kind of like roasting each other. Oh, like a comedy like, duo. You guys had kind of like some bits going. Yeah, yeah. And then, okay, so here's when it gets weird. I <laughs> ask him if I can have his autograph. Uh-huh. And he was like, fine. He was like, okay, fine. Uh, what do you want? What do you want me to sign? And I'm like looking for something, and I reach behind the bar and grab a book of matches, and I hand it to him, and he's he throws it and says, I'm not, I don't sign, I don't sign matches or something, and then storms off. Whoa. And then uh, a little while later, he comes back to me and he hands me a piece of paper and he says, uh, here you go. So I'm like, oh, he actually oh, he, he went okay. and got a piece of paper and I got Scorsese's autograph. He walks away. I open up the paper and inside, no one's going to get this reference except for maybe you, uh-huh. but uh, he had written the name Jeremy Guskin. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. <laughs> Jeremy Guskin, you know, I mean, I, I, I actually feel that joke is going to age pretty well because I, th- I think Jeremy is the type of guy that will end up being famous, like, later on. Oh, he's great. Uh-huh. He's great. Look up Jeremy Guskin if you're out there. He's uh, very funny. I know him from, from doing improv in L.A. Yeah. And, and sketch stuff, but he, yeah. I think you, I think the three of us have done some, one or two things together. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then, you know, he got on Mod eventually the same year I got on Mod, or maybe you're prior and uh we i mean yeah we have never really like hit it like we never really hung out after you left eric but you know 
it's it's you know game recognized game. I love the dude. He's a, he's a great guy major though. Talent. Yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping for another uh, David Lynch meeting. Uh, you know, this weekend I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm gonna drink like three glasses of wine and watch behind the scenes footage and try and uh, make amends with David Lynch in my in my very dreams. cool. So I'll, I'll keep you all posted okay. on that. I have a quick thing about, uh, and I don't know how I'm gonna land this plane, but it's a joke, Eric. I'm gonna attempt to do it okay. right here. So, this is my impression of Martin Scorsese hating that you handed him a box of matches (laughs) in a like just outside of the set of a david lynch project ready okay fire you walking with me (laughs) (laughs) i love it i love it uh you know jeremy we got one more thing before we dive in uh I'll, i'll keep it brief there's a the moose minute uh, well, oh, welcome yeah. to the Moose Minute. This is where I where I keep everyone posted on my uh, my first time watching Northern Exposure. Uh, it's getting funnier, my man. It's okay. getting funnier. All right. it's good and there's hear. a lot of uh, there is a lot of dream sequences, which I really like. Like they really a character will just have this like crazy wild dream and there was actually an episode recently where it was just so off the wall and then at the end of the episode just wound up wound up uh, wound up being the entire thing was a dream that a character was having <laughs> it was I don't silly know if I, I don't know a, if i like that or hate that but how did you it, well here's the thing it was a halloween episode uh, so okay. i kind of special expected something something kooky right you know gotcha. what i mean mm-hmm. so Jeremy, we're talking parts 13 and 14 of The Return. Uh, if you're just joining us, go back and listen to the other ones. We, we just had, uh, you know, we've had Michael Hearn on. Uh, we've had a lot of great guests. Michael, so, Chow. Uh, Michael Chow came on. Yeah. Only uh, Michaels. We only deal with Michaels yeah, on o- this show. Only Michaels. Although, Jeremy, I do have a little, uh, mainly because I think I'm going to need help. Um. I think it's going to be helpful to have another sort of, uh, sort of a more of a experienced Twin Peaksir uh, to discuss the the finale. I, I've got someone lined up for the for our last episode. Oh, tight! Uh, yeah, because I'm going to need help explaining things. I think. Great. So a bit of a uh, a bit of an expert, a sexpert. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> someone. Someone who who's who has seen the, the series many times and has uh, a good 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 handle on things, but. Uh, Let's dive into uh, parts part thirteen, shall we? Uh, what are we doing? We watch the Mission Bros. Oh yeah, uh, and their assistants dancing to what I guess is music. I couldn't <laughs> tell what that was if it was the score or if they were playing music themselves walking into the office. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, I love this conga line of characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Sinclair hides uh, from the brothers as he fearfully calls Duncan Todd, who gives him one day uh, to kill Dougie. To kill Mr. Jones, yeah. Yeah. Uh, from the Counting Crows song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, deliver- delivery men bring a gym set for Sonny Jim and a new car to the Jones home as Janie E. happily looks on. 
Yeah. I like David Lynch's interpretation of a of a gym set. I also like <laughs> found this scene of this little kid playing on this gym set um shockingly haunting. Like the little uh yeah. the little like nursery rhyme jingle that's playing while he's running around jumping on the the gym set was like very haunting. Yes, and there's like a spotlight yeah. swirling around. It's, it's interesting. It is. It was very interesting. It. I didn't know whether to be scared, but I was scared. <laughs> <laughs> You're afraid of Sunny Jim. I was afraid of Sunny Jim. I didn't know what he was capable of in that moment. Uh, Janie E and Cooper later watch Sunny Jim play on the new gym set. Uh, Cooper's doppelganger arrives at the farm. Yes. As Ray and his associates watch him on a uh, security camera. I've been waiting for this scene. Too I love cool. this scene. Too cool. Uh, oh, yeah. The farm goes up to see Ray. Uh, there's this big guy, Renzo, who I guess is the leader. I stand Renzo. I like Renzo. Renzo is awesome. Yeah. You know, in the behind the scenes for this, uh, when they were shooting this, uh, they include all of the times where David Lynch raps actors, and he always says something nice about everyone, mm-hmm. and then sometimes they say things. Mm-hmm. And Renzo is, like, the sweetest guy. He, he like, gave this whole, like, speech about how it was, like, a dream to be to work with them. and Yeah. It was nice. It, it was cool. But uh, the doppelganger uh, likens this practice to children's games and challenges Renzo, uh, Renzo uh, wagering Ray. In an arm wrestling match. Yeah. Uh, after much toying with his opponent, Bad Coop wins, then kills him with a brutal punch <laughs> to the face. Yeah. That's one of my favorite on screen deaths, I think, is when somebody's face just gets smashed in, <laughs> like comically smashed in, as if it was a, like, I don't know, as if it was like a little rubber ball that you just like turned inside yeah. out or something. Yeah. It's pretty uh, good. It's good stuff. Pretty good. Punch to the face, and then just blood just kind of shooting out of your eyes. I mean, it sounds disgusting, but when you see it, it's pretty funny. Uh, as the group's uh, new leader, he is granted his request to be alone with Ray, who, after being shot in the leg, tells him the details of his contract with Philip Jeffries to kill Bad Coop. By the way, how'd you like that like accountant guy? Yeah, wait, <laughs> just is that lurking in the corner? Is that David Lynch's son? Is that who that was? That actor? I don't know. Oh, I mean, okay, so it's he's not significant, right? No, um, I don't know. I I don't remember if he comes back up again, but uh, okay. yeah, yeah, because you know how his son was always in the suit with the glasses when he was a kid. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the I gotcha. same guy. Okay. Nope. It's not. Um cool. So Ray reveals that Jeffrey sent him after Bad Coop as he has something inside that he wants. Uh Ray takes out the green ring, saying that he was supposed to put it on him after killing him. Ray says a mysterious prison guard gave it to him before he was released. He is instructed to put it on. Uh, meanwhile, Richard Horn joins the group as they watch Ray hand over the coordinates. Ray shares uh, Jeffrey's last known location, a supposed non-existent place called the Dutchman's. Mm. Uh, then the doppelganger kills him. The ring disappears from his finger and appears in the red room, followed by himself. 
Mike places the ring on the pedestal. Yeah. That's not a good... Uh, Ray did not meet a good end. No. Although, you know, I, if I were to get killed, mm-hmm. I, I, it would be kind of cool to be in the red room, even though it seems like a terrible place. It would be cool, you know, just for novelty's sake, <laughs> to say that you've been to the red room. Yeah. I mean, but who are you going to tell, though? So just other people in the red room? Hey, look, I, I'm yeah, here yes. now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess maybe in retrospect, just being in there with like a grieving Leland Palmer for yeah. years on for end. Years, like twenty-five years. <laughs> just yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the detectives Fusco look over the results of Douglas Jones' fingerprint as an altercation takes place in the next room. The report confirms Dougie is a former FBI agent and just recently escaped from a South Dakota prison. They laugh and discard the info. Meanwhile, Sinclair comes to see the two detectives he's been uh, committing fraud with looking for poison. Mm-hmm. Um, Hutch and Chantal drive discussing Mormons. Mm. Uh, I love this spinoff show. Please give us this spinoff. We need it. We need it. Uh, the next few weeks we will be... Oh, oh my God. I just started reading... Uh, Something that's not part of a the book? synopsis. <laughs> Sinclair pours the coffee into a urinal. Whoa. I think something I think I'm missing something here. Uh Janie E takes Cooper to work in the new car and then um Sinclair waits nervously for Dougie and takes him to go get coffee. After mm. taking a sip, Cooper wanders over to observe the shop's pie as Sinclair laces his coffee. He returns and touches dandruff on Sinclair's jacket. Sinclair breaks down, leaving with the poisoned coffee. Cooper takes Sinclair's coffee and has brought a slice of pie. Sinclair pours the coffee into the urinal and throws the cup in the trash before apologizing to Dougie. Yes, there we go. This this whole part is blocked off for me for some reason. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty... uh, You know, I feel like... You know, I've kind of mentioned before that I wasn't loving the Dougie stuff, but... You know, pound for pound, it is this. This kind of is great, and all the stuff with the Mitchum Bros yeah. is great. Like, not. I wouldn't say that necessarily that like there's been a huge payoff yet necessarily, but there has been some highs, and this was like a pretty high moment. I think pretty funny. Yeah, yeah, I'm a fan of this of this whole thing. Um, at the double R, Shelley gets a phone call from Becky who says that Steven has been absent for two days and she is worried about him. Shelly invites her daughter to the dinner for pie. What a great mom, you know? she uh, Becky had two episodes ago driven with her on the roof of her car, <laughs> yeah, on the hood of her car, and like flung her off at full speed. That's true. Now she's offering pie. I mean, it's, you know, it's a mother's love. Nate only only God understands that mother's love you know we'll never get it if if you threw Eric if you were driving with me off the on the hood of your car and then you flung me off like that I'd have to take at least a week off of the podcast maybe two <laughs> yeah if you uh if you flew off the hood of my car technically you would be my mom Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Bobby goes to the diner and visits with Ed and Norma. 
he describes to them that he came across some belongings of his father. Uh, Walter Lawford soon shows up, causing Ed and Bobby to move to another booth. Walter reports on the franchise progress of the diner, saying that she is selling her pies too cheap, though she disagrees with the franchise store's practice compared to the flagship store. Uh, He suggests the name of the diner be changed to Normal's Double R, which she does not approve of. They agree to go out to celebrate the rest of success, which uh, goes noticed by Ed. I guess uh, Uh, you could say that Norma bakes not only delicious cherry pies, but also has herself eaten a big slice of humble pie. Yeah. (laughs) You could say that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, what do you think of this uh, whole interaction with this Norma's, I guess, uh, love interest, Walter Fellow? Well, you know, I mean, I guess, so here's one thought I did have is it kind of feels a little bit like, so in the original series, you got Bobby and Shelly, and then you also have Ed and Norma. Mm-hmm. And in the remake, it's like, oh, guess what? Bobby and Shelly aren't together anymore. Okay, twist. But I could have also, but then they're also like, Ed and Norma aren't together, twist. And I'm like, oh, okay, well... Maybe it just felt like kind of similar. I had a similar feeling to both scenes where I'm like, this kind of feels like maybe they could have done something different with their storyline because it, yeah. it feels like just unrequited love is happening all over Twin Peaks. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I mean, yeah, I don't I, like Walter, right? Like no one likes Walter, I'm sure. No, I don't like Walter <laughs> and I, I feel bad. I feel bad for Norma. I feel bad you know, for Norma's Big Ed like, too, man. Yeah. Big Ed, um, although let's remember that Big Ed did sort of cheat on his mentally unsound That's right. wife. And also <laughs> Big Ed went and got himself that haircut he has now, which is yeah not ideal. Yeah, it's like he saw a, a picture of David Lynch and was <laughs> <laughs> like, I want that, <laughs> give, I want that hair. Give me the Lynch, baby. Um, yeah, but I think this is, uh, I can't remember the exact... Uh, words of their conversation but it seems like it's probably a little bit of a reference to like you know they're talking about like is the businessman talking to the artist you know what i mean and the the business person is telling the artist what they have to do and uh i think this is a little bit of a reference uh maybe to um there was a moment where the return uh showtime or I think it was Showtime, uh, did not, was not willing to give Lynch the amount of money that he felt that he needed uh, to produce the, the return properly. Got, okay. um, and he kind of, I think, had to fight for it. Um, Damn. So I don't know. I see, the, I see this whole conversation as sort of a metaphor for that art and business. I see that. I can see that. Together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Run Silent, Run Drapes, <laughs> Nadine <laughs> is visited by Jacoby after he spotted one of his shovels in the window. He expresses his admiration for the decoration, and she praises him in his show. They reflect on their last meeting at a supermarket during a storm. I think he says, the last time I saw you, you were on the ground looking for a potato. <laughs> 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 Which is a very funny quote. Yeah. 
I like these two, you know, an unlikely pairing, but I, I like I like this. I like what's developing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um a drunk Sarah watches an old boxing match repeat itself over and over. Dude, this is some I, real depressing real depression shit happening with Sarah. Sarah Palmer. Yeah. It was How uh, long did it take you to realize that that thing was looping by the, the way? The third time, I think, the third time yeah, I was like I was like, takes Ooh, a while. okay, this is a lot more creepy than I ever imagined." And Yes. Yeah. So, so, we got some so far, we have seen her watching uh, very graphic animals mauling one another mm-hmm. uh, and then just part of a boxing match on repeat. I think that <laughs> David Lynch is doing something really cool with Sarah Palmer's character. Oh, yeah. I think I think he is, too. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, she's been watching a lot of... Violence on television, I guess, is maybe the the common thread there. Maybe it is. Yeah, One of those two things. Maybe it is speculation. Uh, also, have you have you drank drank in a Bloody Mary before? Oh yeah, I love Bloody Marys as much as the next guy, but those things are salty as hell. <laughs> yeah, you would be so unwell if you were drinking that many, bl- that much bloody Marys. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> bloody Marys are kind of like the drink you have once in, in the morning, maybe for brunch. And then you have to recover from all day long from just having the one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, a near hysterical Audrey demands Charlie tell him what Tina had told him. He instead offers to go to the roadhouse with her to look for Billy. An indecisive Audrey breaks down and Charlie asks if he needs to end her story. Audrey asks, what story is that, Charlie? Is that the story of the little girl who lives down the lane? So what do you think of this? Uh, Charlie asking if he needs to end her story. This, you- this, It only raised more questions. I mean, I at yeah. this point have zero guesses of what's going on before i had a few but now i have absolutely zero questions i'm uh, i mean zero guesses at what this could even be what this could even mean i mean is charlie is he dreaming up audrey is audrey is he right is this like are we seeing like a story he's writing come to life um i remember some of the speculation around this episode uh was um that perhaps uh charlie might be and this is just what other people thought uh in the in the twin peaks community is that charlie might be some type of like therapist uh figure for audrey and maybe they're you know acting out some type of scenario or something oh Um, yeah yeah. So that's a possibility. He definitely has the therapist. I mean, I would guess he's a therapist even, you know, if he is married to Audrey. Like, that's his job, yeah. maybe. So here it is, the big show, Jeremy. Big show, I bet you, baby. I bet, I bet you are just giddy as hell Could to see Jam- our buddy James up there on stage at the Roadhouse. With the guitar, with his git fiddle in his hand. Playing that tune. Same falsetto. Same falsetto. <laughs> hasn't hasn't lost it in his old age. It hasn't even gotten a, a little bit more smoky, Eric. In fact, you might say it's the same damn recording. <laughs> yeah, you could say that. <laughs> um, 
and uh, you know, there's a woman watching him, crying her eyes, um, just crying her ass off. Really? Yeah. Uh, man, you know the thing is, is like, I like the, I, I, I like this song just because it like is part of the show, and there's certain, mm-hmm. there's certain like misses, <laughs> in my opinion, with the show. And this song, I think, is one of them. Dude, how dare you? How dare you? This is my favorite song. This, I mean, this and WAP. And that's it for me. (laughs) (laughs) Just give me this and WAP back to back, dude. Um, yeah. I don't know how I feel. I I do love that they brought it that they brought it back and stuff. They could have brought it back in a cooler way, though. I will say that. Because it is just him kind of doing it live, like kind of, I guess, to echo the scene that happened in the original series. But maybe they could have had something more interesting happening cinematically while he was playing it instead of just that woman crying, who we don't know who that is. Maybe we could have seen like, I don't know, like giving us like another Richard Horn scene or something. Like something where like, ooh, it's like maybe some sinister shit's happening. Meanwhile, this is being played at the roadhouse. I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing, but you kind of get what I'm saying though, right? Like maybe this could have had more significance if it had a more visual, something more visual going on with it. It is sort of interesting how like all of these different characters are so different 25 years later, Mm -hmm. but James is still like, still just like a sappy like, uh, um, a sappy. What do you? What would be a term for like a guy who's uh just like falling in love all the time? Oh, and is just like super a corny. Uh, like a like a loser. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sappy loser. <laughs> but no, he's like he's sitting there singing the same song, uh, same distance away I from know. him as two other girls singing. Uh, just as Maddie and Laura were singing, and he's there's like, some other woman. He's like your friends him. in high school who who still listen to like Under Oath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that not cool? <laughs> I mean, it's less cool, <laughs> I think. Uh, okay, and then Ed sits alone at Big Ed's gas farm. Great ending. Great ending, buddy. I mean, by the way, Eric, if you had, I mean, this is my kind of ending right here. If I, you know, if I was gonna make a film. I'd have it end no matter what the story was with Big Ed sitting in his gas farm. <laughs> Just sitting there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, there, yeah. I really do think that quiet moment where they, we have a slight camera push in on him as he's looking out the window and that's it. It was, I thought it was pretty well executed. Oh yeah. You know what they got on this uh, Z to A box set is that I finally, cause it's on the very last disc of bonus stuff uh, is they have, I finally got into it. They have all of the Roadhouse performances uncut. Oh, sick. Just the full songs. So I did that for like, I, I watched I watched like 20 minutes of that the other night, and that was a great time. I got to get that um, Z to A. Oh, man. It's it's good stuff. You know, maybe I could, do you, you have a Blu-ray player, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe I can ship some of these out to you or something. Maybe. Yeah, um, that would be... That'd be sick, but you know, I pro- I mean, at some point, I just need to haul off and buy them, though, right? I mean, it's one of the greatest purchases of my life. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> it was that, uh, okay. and when you bought the uh, 
the vinyl for WAP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeremy, part 14. Uh-huh. Another normal episode. Yeah, just a run-of-the-mill one. I'm so sick of these, um, you know, these like bridge episodes <laughs> where nothing happens. There, uh, I've been I've been uh, messaging with Drew. Drew, what's up, buddy? Drew, I've been messaging, messaging with Drew a little bit. Uh, he's loving your hearing your uh, your first time reactions to, yeah. to the return, <laughs> and he was like, "I can't wait to see. I can't wait to hear what Jeremy <laughs> says about part part 14. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Buckhorn, South Dakota. Cole calls the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department. Uh, Lucy answers. So we get Lucy and Cole talking. Yes. Uh, she connects him to Frank. Uh, she's always got to point out which line is the one mm. that's blinking. Yes. For some reason. Uh, after Cole uh, ex- expects Harry, Frank explains that his brother's whereabouts and tells him about the pages from Laura's diary that were found that suggested the existence of two Coopers. Love it. Uh, Albert tells Preston about the first Blue Rose case when a woman named Lois Duffy was arrested by Cole and Jeffries after murdering a doppelganger of herself. That's This scene fucking rules, <laughs> by the way. Hell yeah. Uh, after learning the doppelganger said the phrase, I am like the Blue Rose, before vanishing into thin air, Tammy deduces a blue rose is an unnatural conjured object, also known as a tulpa. Yeah, Dad wears glasses out there. Uh, I don't know if he's watching the return with us or if he's seen it before, but he he this might be more familiar to him in the uh, by way of The Outsider, which is that HBO show that came out not too long ago based on the Stephen King book. But similar themes are happening from The Outsider and Twin Peaks. Um, so dad wears glasses. If you're out there, if you're watching, let me know what you, let me know how you're feeling about these, uh, this episode of twin peaks or, or the idea of this season of twin peaks in general. Cause I want to, yeah. I want to know. Um, Tulpa, uh, Tulpa, I just for clarification, little definition, a concept of mysticism and the paranormal of a being or object which is created through spiritual or mental powers. It was adapted by 20th uh, century Fox. Theosophists <laughs> from the Tibetan spur, spur, spul, sperm. sperm. So it's a Tibetan thing. Gotcha. But yeah, it's basically... I oh, mean, it is a Tibetan thing. I like that. Yeah, it that's, is. That's cool. Yeah. That's kind of a tie-in with Cooper's obsession with Tibet, freeing Tibet. It's like sort of uh, an imaginary friend if it the imaginary friend became real. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'm probably that's probably a bad explanation. No, but. no, we uh, yeah that it makes sense just by way of definition. I mean, I I get it and I I get it and I like it and want more of it. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, Cole enters, followed by Diane. Cole asks her if Cooper. Uh, mentioned Major Garland Briggs the last time they saw each other, which she confirms. Elbert explains the fate of Briggs, noting Dougie Jones's ring found in Briggs' stomach. So it's all coming together. I my know, dear. dude. Diane things are happening right now. Recognizes Janie E. as her yeah, half-sister, Dougie. who is married to a Douglas Jones who, well, 
Let's just say he goes by Dougie yeah. and lives in Las Vegas. I cannot believe this is the connection. I could cool. not believe it. I, I, I lost fun. my mind. Uh, Tammy calls the FBI in Las Vegas and Cole tells them that the Joneses are wanted in relation to a double homicide. Uh, Diane leaves and Cole informs Albert and Tammy about the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department uh, find. Uh, he then tells them about a dream he had about Monica Bellucci. Yeah, who the hell? Who, who is Monica Bellucci? Um, hmm, my internet's not working too good, but I think she's just uh, an actress of some kind. Um, I didn't really know her before this, but um, she's a real person. She's a real person. That's right. Yeah. And it, he met in a cafe in this dream. Mm-hmm. So, god damn it! I wish my internet. Was oh, I can. Right I, now, I let me let me let me. Uh, why don't you let me do the honors, Eric? Look up, look up, uh, Monica Bellucci, Twin Peaks art gallery, because there's some connection where they are eating. Uh. The place that they are eating at is like right outside of an art gallery where in real life David Lynch had an exhibit of some kind. Uh, and it's sort of like an interesting um, little Easter egg that people found. Um, so, yeah, they have coffee and Monica says, uh, we are like the dreamer who dreams and lives inside the dream, which Cole understood. Yeah. Uh, this was followed by, but who is the dreamer? Yeah, it's it's. This is kind of like a uh, an existential exercise, right? It's like I've heard this before. This concept of like, if this is all a dream, that would make sense. But whose dream is it? Is it your dream, or are we part of someone else's dream? Right. That's kind of the idea behind the question. But who is the dreamer? Yeah, it's. It's still it it's sounds simple when it's said, but when I start thinking about it, it like hurts my brain a little bit because it's yeah. okay. So the first thing she says is, "We are like the dreamer mm-hmm. who dreams, yeah, and lives inside the dream, right? So we are like someone who is living inside of their own dream, yeah. But then she says, "Who is the dreamer? Right? It's kind of like asking you to." to conceptualize eternity or heaven or something where it's like kind of too big for your human understanding. But this is like a pretty, I mean, it's as good as get a a good, as good of a guess as anybody has as to what the hell is actually going on with our quote unquote reality, you know, which would be like, here's Eric, are you dreaming? And am I part of your simulation? Are you part of mine? Are we all part of, you know, David Lynch's or what? So here's the, uh, I don't know if we've, (laughs) I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but, um, David Lynch's character, Gordon Cole is the, it's sort of, uh, this is sort of a common, uh, belief, sort of a common theory that a lot of people uh, uh, think, apparently, uh, that uh, Gordon Cole is basically like a metaphor for David Lynch. He's David Lynch used to live in Philadelphia, sort of has this obsession with Philadelphia. He's a director, film director, TV director. Gordon Cole is the director of the FBI, lives in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there is uh, you could you could read into uh, you could read into the scene in that way because after Monica Bellucci says we are like uh, says but who is the dreamer? Old David Lynch turns around mm-hmm. and looks at the camera, and then we cut to Fire Walk with Me, David Lynch right. sitting at a desk. Right. Oh, so yeah, I'm wondering so if it's the getting meta, like meta here. Yeah, the meta of it is that David Lynch is the dreamer. He's the one dreaming Maybe. up all of this stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course. That's what I, I like to think that. I, I, I But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my my reading of it. But, uh, anyway, he says that Monica indicated uh, him to look back and he saw himself February 16th, 1989, the day of Jeffrey's brief reappearance, and particularly notes Jeffrey's asking who he thought thought cooper was Oof, yeah and i forgot how weird this scene is too <laughs> yeah. like how weird david yeah. bowie's performance is as uh jeffrey's <laughs> you know he he he's acting really strange in that scene yeah. i mean he, i'm sure he was directed to act that way but it's pretty unnatural to watch it it it, it kind of freaks me out to be honest with yeah, you every haunting. time i see it yeah also just with like and again the meta of this scene david bowie having passed away himself you know and like and we also know that Philip Jeffries was somebody who was supposed to have disappeared. You know, it, it's like there's, yeah. th- there's a lot of like blurring the lines of, um, of what is fiction and what is commenting on, you know, actual events that happened outside the films. Uh, so it's kind of a, yeah, kind of a mind, kind of a mind bendy thing yeah yeah but, such but a jeffries is too. still out there apparently Je- yeah he is he's he's kind of operating and the... talking to ray it's a bummer ray. by the way that um philip to david bowie i guess like couldn't be a part of the the um, 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 um return return yeah it's a bummer yeah um yeah. because um, he dies like a year before the return you know premieres or whatever i guess he was just too sick at the time when they were filming yeah um, such a bummer yeah this is a shame uh bobby hawk andy and frank arrest chad for his criminal activities uh also chad in the behind the scenes footage seems like a nice guy <laughs> oh really uh, yeah which is like so weird to me i just saw him like being his natural self, uh, just sitting off to the side, uh, doing something. I think he's just like looking at his phone or something, but he's like, there's a, there's a part where he's like talking to David Lynch and David Lynch is like directing him. Uh, they're kind of like rehearsing something and he seems like, uh, seems like a nice guy. He's just got one of those faces where you're like, you know, kind of want to punch him a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bobby then leads the way to Jack Rabbit's palace and they follow the instructions left by the major. After Hawk instructs the others to put soil in their pockets, they move further into the woods. They come across a foggy clearing and find a nude eyeless woman. This is NATO, Jeremy. You remember NATO from uh Yeah. Part you, three? Oh yeah. I did and I honestly didn't think I was gonna get to see her again. So it was a I mean it, it was a pleasant surprise to say the least and and in IRL nonetheless so she wasn't in a dreamscape necessarily anymore she's right there in the damn woods 
She's in the woods. Uh, lost her clothes clothing at some point. Uh, Frank tells the others uh, the time is two fifty three. A portal forms above them, and Andy, of all people, is transported inside. Uh, after holding the woman's hand, he appears before uh, the fireman. Uh, a smoking apparatus appears in Andy's hands, which directs his attention to the ceiling. I got to point out, when the fireman holds up his hand, mm-hmm. those aren't some big... That's a big fucking hand. Those Did mit- you see that guy's hand? Yes, those mitts <laughs> are, t- are tough to argue, my friend. They are yeah. They are sizable. They are yeah. at least the size of my torso, maybe longer. Yeah, at least. At least. Yeah. Um, what do you think's bigger, the fireman's hand or Glover? Mm. I think that the fireman's hand could probably fit inside Glover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a series of scenes flashes in the ceiling. Uh, so Andy basically sees the uh, the white figure i think we it was called mother maybe the mother figure uh regurgitates bob and then the woodsman and then a high school girl screaming from the mm-hmm. uh pilot episode and then laura with angels around her and then the eyeless woman mm-hmm. uh and two coopers telephone uh him and lucy and a utility pole so we do get a couple uh Shots of yeah, like the telephone wires and the um, utility pole, with the number six on it. It's kind of like electrical wire. The few shots of electrical wires, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, then the apparatus disappears out of Andy's hands, and he is transported back to the woods. He appears back at Jack Rabbit's palace, where the other uh, lawmen wait. He carries the woman and tells them that she is important and must be kept under their watch, leaving the others bewildered on. Yes. Andy, pure, I love pure Andy, of heart. He's the only taking one. charge. I know. He's the only one who could have g- received that gift, that gift of knowledge, because he yeah. was the only one pure enough. Um. Andy and Lucy help the woman settle in a jail cell. I wouldn't have put uh, her there, jail. by the way. <laughs> after in a jail cell, yeah. <laughs> after seeing that that jail cell was just so close to a that drunk bleeding guy and then Chad, <laughs> I would have probably put her somewhere different. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Chad yells out insults. Andy and Lucy leave, and the woman makes noises, uh, repeated by a drunk in another cell. Chad gets annoyed. Uh, J- okay, James and Freddy uh, take a break at their job, the latter displaying great strength in his gloved hand. Hmm. Uh, James inquires about the glove, which Freddy says is part of him, and that he cannot remove it without bleeding. Uh, he explains that after having a life epiphany one night, he was transported into a void and encountered the fireman, who told him to? Uh, who told him about the glove and that it would give his hand an immense pile driving power? <laughs> uh, we saw him earlier crashing, crushing chestnuts with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he was uh, told to go to Twin Peaks to find his destiny. James later enters the Great Northern uh, Hotel's furnace room and hears the same whistling noise Ben and Beverly had discovered days earlier. That's right. Yes. So. 
what what do you what do you think of James and Freddie? Are you uh, what do you think? I, I I we were talking before. You said you might be a little unclear about the whole Freddie business. Yeah, I guess I was just like um, you know, a lot of Twin Peaks just because of the pacing of this return season. It, it makes you kind of feel like, hey, did I miss something or is this intentionally obtuse? I.e the myriad of conversations we get at the roadhouse between like the women discussing different named people who we've never seen or heard of before, like the Tina's and the Billy's and the Megan's and the Sophie's and all them. Like, so, you know, I, I was sitting there kind of going like, did I miss something? Did, so we only have seen James and Freddie once, right? It was like an episode two or three when they like went to the bar and grabbed a drink. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty early on. Pretty early on, yeah. And so we haven't really seen them again, so there, there's no more real information we have on Freddy other than what he tells us here, which is this story about the uh, the fireman. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, in part eight, we saw sort of the origin of Bob. Right. Uh, sort of the manifestation of evil. Um, and uh, in response... To Bob, the fireman released, you know, this orb with Laura Palmer mm-hmm. uh, out into the world, uh, maybe to balance things out, maybe to, you know, counteract the evil Bob character. Um, so I think we can assume that uh, the fireman is sort of giving Freddy this uh i guess strange power um for a similar reason of some kind you know yes so i think i see the fireman as like um a good character obviously he helps cooper out and um a, a lot of what he does seems to be like balancing out evil with with good or trying to combat evil so i don't know that's what i that's what i think uh I love it. He's going on. I love it. He's gifting. He's gifting Freddy with the glove, the glove of power, to perhaps use it to help justice. Oh yeah, just ice. Just ice. I love. So is the fireman different than the giant, or are they the same? Oh wait, huh? That's a good question. I think they're the same. Great, great. They just, they just specified from the first series that his actual spiritual name is the fireman. He is just also happens to be a giant. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Um, I could be wrong if I'm wrong about that. Kill us. (laughs) Yeah. Kill kill us. But start with Jeremy. Yeah. Start with me. Uh, Sarah goes to a bar. Oh, uh, has it ha- just has a, a pleasant evening and then mm-hmm. goes home. Yeah, what a dream! Okay, what a dream it was. <laughs> she meets a nice young man. They hit it off. The you know, <laughs> yeah, they're just like the slimiest uh, trucker guy. Yes, uh, with t shirt that says "truck you" on it. Yeah, he says the uh, C U N T word. Not a nice yeah. man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, he's he's being a being a real. Well, I'm just gonna say it jerk to sarah (laughs) yeah and uh (laughs) she's uh you know she's getting fed up and you know 
after a while, she, you know, she has no choice but to remove her face <laughs> and reveal the darkness behind it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then take a bite out of his throat. Mm-hmm. Killing him instantly. <laughs> Leaving him dead on the floor. Dead yeah. on the floor, yeah. I love uh, the conversation that she has with the other barkeep who runs up. He's like, oh, my God, he's dead. Did you have anything to do with this? <laughs> yeah, he's like, we'll see about this. We'll see about this, yeah. I yeah. um, Who else do we know who's taken off their face already? This this happened before. Yeah, we saw Laura, 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 Laura do it in the red room. But it was it was light behind her face. Right? And it was light. And have we seen... Um, you know, there's another character that does it, but I don't want to ask because we might not have gotten to okay. it. Okay, yeah. Well, because like... Yeah, maybe not. Sarah's definitely had like what I felt like was Bob going on back there. Bob in the face. But I mean, that's it seemed my speculation. Like very evil. We saw it did seem we evil. saw that hand, we saw that weird hand and then we saw little, little like teeth. pincher. Yes, and then the teeth. Mm-hmm. Almost like a Cheshire cat. Cheshire kind of smile. cat. Yes. Um, and, uh, yeah, then we go to the roadhouse and we catch up with our old friends, Sophie and Megan, (laughs) who discuss Billy, Mm -hmm. who is seen in the yard of Megan and her mother, Tina, and who entered the kitchen bleeding from his nose and mouth before suddenly leaving. And then Lissy performs Wild West. Wow. Bravo. It's all I got to say. Bravo. I mean, this might be the most harrowing episode since eight, I would say. Yeah, this is one of my favorites. This is one of my favorites. Yeah, eight, 11, and now this one. Yeah, it's good. Episodes. It's incredible. It, it really is. It really moves, you know? They really go places in this episode. And they answer a lot of questions, and they answer them in a satisfying way. The Blue Rose reveals really good. So is the Dougie being quasi-related to Diane. That's Those are good reveals. Those are good choices. I like that you're, uh, I like that you're enjoying uh, these threads coming together, because it's, um, yeah, you, you sort of, it takes, a, it takes a long time for things to sort of uh, get sort of wrapped up in this show. Right. But, uh, right. It's very satisfying when it finally starts to happen. Um, and yeah, you're right. There are certain things where you're just kind of left with even more questions. Um, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but like, yeah, like the Audrey situation, who, who, who knows what the hell is going on at this point. With that. Right. I do just like seeing Audrey though. So keep him coming. Um, Okay, so I was trying. Sorry, I, I was trying to figure out uh, an answer, a concrete answer to whether the giant and the fireman are the same. And, and uh, I could not find the answer. Yet. <laughs> so, someone's listening to that at Chucky Rules four twenty. Yeah, dude. Tweet. I, I'm sure. I'm sure Drew will DM me or something. And let me know. Um, but yeah, I, I was. I was like reading through a Reddit thread, and it's. Uh, it seems like other people are confused as well. Um, Jeremy, we got 
four more parts to go through. We only got two more episodes of this show to do. Oh, yeah. I can't believe it. I can't believe it's almost over. It flew by. Yeah. And, and you know what? This somehow flew by, but you know what hasn't flown by? Hmm. COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember February? <laughs> hey, wake me up when, uh, when September ends and COVID's over. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. September 2024. Yeah. No kidding. Um, no, but I couldn't be happier to get into the next phase of this podcast. I am going to be missing my Twin Peaks, and we'll need to fill that hole in some way. Um, but yeah, no, I'm. I'm we'll excited. fill your hole, buddy. We'll Thank get you. we'll get your hole nice and filled. My uh, hole is empty, and it needs filling. I cannot wait. We're do. What, what do you want? Have you talked? Have we talked about the name of our new show? Do we want to do that? You know, we, we mentioned it on my uh, appearance on Double Double Feature Feature, uh, yes. uh, which will come out in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I don't think we've mentioned it on here. We should mention uh, it. Okay. Get people ready, because they're going to need to know what's up. Give them some time, some time to prep. I did just do, I just, I whipped up a very, uh, a very good theme song for it. Oh, cool. Uh, so look forward to that. But, uh, yeah, we are going to be a podcast, uh, called Wes versus Paul versus Paul versus Predator. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I don't even know what the acronym for that would be because I, <laughs> that's too many words to think about. There's a lot of V's in it though. Yeah. W- but Jeremy. V-P-V-P-V-P. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was thinking, uh, so we're going to cover Paul Thomas Anderson, Wes Anderson, and Paul W.S. Anderson, and we're going to kind of go back and forth between them, uh, like we did with Kubrick and Lynch, but I would like to go back to like ranking the movies. Remember how in the Chucky ones, we, we ranked the, we, we, uh, gave each film a ranking yes, based on uh-huh. a number of Chucky freckles. Yeah, Chucky freckles. Yeah. So here's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to. F- the goal of the next podcast is to figure out who is the best director of the three. Because it's really unclear at this point. Very unclear. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so here's what I'm thinking, and uh, let me know if you like this. I think that after every movie of the Anderson podcast that we do. We give it a rating, and I'll keep a spreadsheet. We each, you you give a rating, I give a rating, and then we do a poll on Twitter, and let the let the audience give the listeners give a rating. Perfect. And then I add those ratings up, and then at the end of the series, we'll have like we'll have data, Jeremy. We will have data to add up, and we can announce which of the Anderson directors is the best. I love that. I love that. I love more. Give us, give me some more Twitter polls. Give me some more. I want some more numbers. I want some stats, baby. Yeah, we're a we're both accountants trapped in comedians' bodies. Exactly. Yes. I math. I'll call comedies math. And no, that's not a boring take. <laughs> <laughs> we could be making so much more money, Jeremy. So yeah. much more money. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy, anything you want to plug before we sign no, the hell off? No, no way. Follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime, and uh, you know, get on that, hop on that Patreon. It's hot to trot right now. You have so many hours of bonus shows to sift through. Signing up is 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 uh, 
you know, it's something that we we really curate a nice environment, a nice community over there. So give it a shot if you can. And if you can't, at least consider giving us five stars on Apple Podcasts. I mean, I'm assuming you're listening yeah. to this on Apple Podcasts. You might not be. But if you are, try just hit, hit that five-star review. It really gets more eyes on the show. And if you can even write a review for us, that'll leave, that would be, even be better. And you know what? We'll read it on the show. If you do, we'll read it on the show and uh, whatever you write, we will yeah. read it on the so show. So roast us. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I got to say, as far as the reviews go, it would be very helpful to sort of like push down in the queue some of the other very nice reviews that we have uh, from when we were a Chucky podcast, because I think it <laughs> might confuse people. Yeah. When they're like looking up this David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick podcast and they're like, everyone is commenting about chucky yeah they're all talking about <laughs> chucky and and then people are like well wait a minute what kind of show is this over here yeah yeah so anyway uh yeah look forward to more moose minute uh look both ways before you cross the street legalize it and uh norma i'll see you in my dreams <laughs> <laughs>